right. Welcome back to the Host by Tori show. I am so glad that you are joining us. Let's do a little recap. So it's finally turned a corner in Austin, at least I hope, related to the weather. It was nice and hot this past weekend. And Friday, I was able to squeeze in a few hours at the pool in the late afternoon because I am trying to keep up a little color before the wedding, all with sunscreen and trying to be safe, of course. We went to drinks with some friends early evening on a patio, which just like really felt like the start of summer, even though it's only April. And they just recently got engaged. So it's fun to hear about their experience like early in the wedding process while we're entering the final stages of ours. And something that was actually really interesting related to this specific restaurant was that I've been there for brunch and they had non-alcoholic cocktails with C-Lip that were actually so good. So when I looked at the menu, there weren't any on there. So I just asked the bartender if he'd be able to make a mocktail. And he said, yes, but it'd be like what they had on hand because they had removed the non-alcoholic drinks from the menu. And I was like, oh, why? And he was like, oh, they just weren't popular. And I thought that was interesting just because I think I already feel like more and more they're becoming so much popular, but they did have athletic brewing. So I just had that instead. Then we went to some dinner with some friends at Joanne's, which again, I can only been to for brunch, but dinner was so good. The chips were like the perfect texture. They were thick and sturdy, if you know what I mean. And then we went to Jenny's after, of course, for ice cream. And I love ooey gooey so much. Saturday, I had like a self-care day that I was supposed to have last weekend, but got postponed because of work. I got a hydrofacial at Vixen, which I first started going to for my eyebrows because my friends Georgia and Nicole had recommended, but I am so obsessed with them and like how good of job they do. The hydrofacial was unreal, definitely worth it. And then I went and got a lymphatic massage from the Desert Canary. I think that's how you say it. I just heard of it and I really like loved it. So that was awesome. I then did some pool time, wrote my vows or kind of continued to write them. They're not done yet. Did my taxes, really fun stuff. And then I got a haircut, little trim and made a simple dinner at home while Cam was golfing. Sunday, we met up with some friends from out of town, actually like someone I know from work and got coffee and breakfast tacos. And then I just had like a big errand day. And you know, when you have stacked up boxes of returns across like USPS, UPS, FedEx. Yeah. I had so many across wedding and honeymoon outfits and what not that I literally bit the bullet and just got all of those done. And then Cam and I had our last dinner as fiancés planned at Jeffrey's, which is our favorite celebration restaurant in Austin. It was so good. This was the first time I actually drank since my bachelorette. So about a month or so ago, and I really enjoyed it. Jeffrey's has 50% off wine on Sundays and I was just like looking forward to it and I did enjoy it. I had two glasses, felt great, moved on. This whole like concept of not giving alcohol as much power and really leaning in more when it sounds good has helped me with perspective Anyway, one week today, I will officially be off for two and a half weeks for the wedding and honeymoon. So really trying to work hard the next couple of days ahead of that. But now let's talk about the podcast. Today, we have Janelle Manzi on the podcast. Janelle is both a professional New York City ballet dancer and also the founder and CEO of Get Golden. Get Golden are delicious snack bars, unlike really any other bar I've had. And I have like actually a low-key, a big bar person. 100% organic, gluten-free, vegan, no preservatives, low in sugar, 
And they have definitely like a focus on nuts and seeds and it's just like actually really nourishing. I actually just ate one. (laughs) It's been one of my recent go-to afternoon snacks. But since early on in Janelle's ballet journey, she juggled a few chronic injuries and battled consistent inflammation across her body, which triggered food allergies and prohibited her from properly fueling some of the longer days at studios. And so she actually began making all these wholesome, tasty treats in her apartment on the Upper West Side. And thus, Get Golden was born. Health and wellness is definitely a key priority for her. So we get into how drinking fits into that, but let's actually get into more of what we talked about. We talked about the trade-offs of what it means to actually be in the New York City Ballet versus a typical experience growing up. We talk about how to be grateful for the choices that you make in career and lifestyle and when Janelle will have a more normal lifestyle. Diving really into food sensitivities and how Janelle got into holistic healing to really figure out the brain and gut connection across trauma and stress. How Get Golden originally started as a baking blog and how she actually got it off the ground by creating a new identity beyond her just as a ballerina. And thinking about drinking in the sense of how it's making me feel like my best self, whether it's going out with friends and having fun or staying at home and not drinking alcohol. All right, let's dive in. Okay, Janelle, thank you so much for coming on. Let's talk about ballet and the New York City Ballet. And what is that even like? How did you get into that? And just like your experience with it so far, give us the backstory. Backstory. I don't even know where you begin, but like... So layered. I feel like I say this a lot, but my grandmother took me to Nutcracker when I was four at New York City Ballet, and I fell in love with ballet. Wow. And from that moment on, I was dancing around the house. I was walking around on my knuckles, on my toes, and my mom was just like, okay, we need to get this girl in ballet now. So I started training at my local studio, and when I was around 10 years old, my mom asked me a pretty critical question, which was – about training. And it was that if I wanted to take things seriously, I needed to switch schools, leave all of my current friends and go to New York City and train there and try and find a school that provided better training. And I don't exactly vividly remember saying yes. Like I don't remember that exact conversation, but I remember never having any doubts at all. Like that it was exactly what I wanted to do. So I auditioned for the School of American Ballet, which is the school affiliated with New York City Ballet, when I was 11. And I got in and I started training there, as well as seeing a few instructors on the side for private lessons, all of that. It just, it really does take so much to become a professional ballerina. And when you're starting out, you don't really know what's going to happen, whether you will get a job or won't get it. It's, It's all so unknown. And I think at least for me, I lacked a little bit of confidence. And I just, I knew that at the end of the day, I love to dance. And I just did that. I I love to work hard. That's kind of one of my other things. I love to, but I don't know, I get a goal and I really want to achieve it. So I just continued dancing and working hard. And when I was 16, I was asked to join New York City Ballet, which came as kind of a surprise just because I hadn't ever thought about auditioning for any other companies yet. That was something that was going to happen the following year, but the opportunity obviously came and it was my dream. And it just looking back, it was probably one of the best days of my life. And then that led into a really 
a, a long, what you would call, I guess, journey, turn of events, lots of things. Dancing professionally is certainly one of the best, dreamiest jobs for people that love ballet. I mean, on, from the outside, it's pretty unglamorous. But when I was 18, that was when I had my first serious injury that kept mm-hmm. me on the sidelines for two years. And that I would say was the hardest time in my entire life, meaning you are just trying to figure out who you are as a young woman, obviously having your dream job and then that identity is stripped from you at one, a young age to a time in your life that is pretty critical in terms of your career. And so it was through those different bumps. And I mean, I, you name the injury, I could go on and on. If you have a book, we could check them off. Um, I had so many different injuries coming back to dancing and it was through those experiences that I am the dancer, artist, and person today. That's awesome. So I, there's so much to unpack there. On So you get into the New York City Ballet at 16. What does mm-hmm. school look like while also doing that? Like, what what's your schedule? This was so crazy to me that – so I was still living in New Jersey at this time. I was commuting. You grew up in so New I Jersey? Take, I grew up in New Jersey, Bergen okay. County. Okay. I would take the 5.54 a.m. bus – to professional children's school and I would go to school from I think it was 7 30 or 8 a.m until 10 a.m and then I would walk to work at New York City Ballet and most of the time I was unable to go back to school so all of that was done correspondence and I went to a school called professional children's school that does deal with children that have this sort of schedule. So it's a middle school and high school in New York city that actors, actresses, models, ice skaters, fencers, musicians, dancers go to, to be able to obviously get an education like a quote unquote normal kid. But the schedule is just catered to whatever your professional schedule is as a child kid. Right. So it was difficult. And like I said, I wasn't really, it was rare that I was able to make it back to my classes during the day. And so I would just work on schoolwork on my breaks throughout the day f- during rehearsals. And after the performance at 1030, my mom would pick me up outside of the stage door with dinner and we would drive back to New Jersey. I would study for my SATs, do my homework until around midnight, 1am. And I'd wake up the following morning at 5 a.m. And I would Stop. do this six days a week. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That is Actually, five, well, five, because Monday through Friday. Okay. And so, I mean, just that in and of itself, like, did you like the experience of ballet so much that it was okay to miss out on maybe what like a normal childhood, like high school experience? Like, how do you even think about that? Because obviously ballet was your dream for so long and so much a part of your identity. And like you said, the happiest day of your life. And so balancing that with what a normal school experience with like friends is and just like, totally like dinner at 1030, like I can't even imagine that. And then like studying for college exams. So talk to me how you felt about that. Yeah. 
I think about this a lot. I think when it's happening, I wasn't really, you're not at that age. You're not really, or at least for me, I wasn't having some sort of in-depth analysis in terms of outweighing the pros and cons of which route I wanted to take, whether I wanted to prioritize being a quote unquote normal kid with a, a buzzing social life or a professional ballerina where your life is a little bit more structured, regimented, goal oriented, all of that. It was for me, that was, that was what I wanted. And when I see something I want, I go and get it. And that didn't mean that I didn't have friends. I mean, ballet, you have tons of friends, you're around people all day. Yeah. And I mean, to this day, I still cherish so many of those relationships and most of my closest friends are dancers just because we align on so many levels, both physically and artistically. And just, we become, I would say kind of like a sorority in a way where like you have this bond, like nothing else. And I think when you don't know any different, meaning that sort of bond to me is so strong and irreplaceable. And I would imagine that I don't know what it feels like to go to have a normal college experience. I went to Fordham part-time, but I don't know what that's like. And I don't know what it's like to be in a sorority to have that sort of heartfelt bond with everyone else. But I would imagine they're quite similar. It's just a different approach and a different way of doing things. And so looking back the day-to-day, I don't really remember wanting anything else at all. I was really yeah. happy. And I mean, I'm still happy with my life. I look yeah. back and I wouldn't change the thing. I have lots of friends that are not in the industry and I don't have necessarily time to go watch dinner during a season. I mean, today is our day off and we had two shows yesterday. I have the darkest circles under my eyes. Thank God for concealer. <laughs> and during season, I mean, you can't really go watch dinner. The amount of times I've missed friends, weddings and family gatherings. I can't even count them on my two hands, but this job is also, I always think about there are things in your life that are time sensitive. And when you achieve something so, so ingrained in your soul and your passion and your heart that you hold on to those moments as much as you can, because you can't be a dancer forever, just like you can't be an Olympic athlete forever. You can't, you name the professional sport, you can't do it forever. So I really think it's just so important to be grateful for the choice that you made. And constantly now that I'm older, obviously check in with myself and weigh the pros and cons of choosing this life and this lifestyle and, and, and then letting it go and having a more normal lifestyle. And the thing is, I know I can have that soon. Yeah. Like it will be normal. This life won't last forever. And it's, I think it's also knowing that it won't last forever. That makes you appreciate it so much more and makes you feel so much more at peace with the choice that you're making. I think that's really insightful on the time component of it, because there are things where, you know, maybe in a corporate world, you're like, well, I'm going to be working the rest of my life. So you make a choice based on that. And for you, you know, you'll only do ballet for so long. And it's something that you've cared about for so long that you're going to continue to put your heart and soul into it for that time, because at some point you won't be doing it anymore. And so I think that's really interesting. You know, you talked about, you know, two years into doing or being in the New York ballet that you got hurt first injury. 
And as someone who identified with that and identifies with that as a person, a lot of your values, you know, go into dancing, I presume. Like, what did it look like to take time off and dealing with some of these injuries and some of like, I think you talked about food allergies that you uncovered Mm -hmm. during that time. Like, talk to us about kind of mentally going through that and Mm -hmm. what your day-to-day looked like and then kind of coming out of that, how you felt. Yeah, I think... This also connects a little bit back to the question we just were discussing about weighing pros and cons and having a life outside of ballet. And if it weren't for this injury, I think I would have had, it was, it gave me a lot of perspective about me as a dancer and then me as a whole person. And I think sometimes when you're in this industry, it can be easy to be fully consumed And fully identify yourself within that industry and not really think about filling your cup up in other ways. And you, it, that part of it is greatly magnified when you lose that identity for, let's say, an injury, an illness, whatever. And so, yeah, I was dealing with a, an extra bone in my foot. I ended up having surgery because I had a torn tendon due to cortisone. It was a long, drawn out period of, a bad source of events. And it was through healing that injury that I just kept getting more compensation issues. And I think it was also, I was growing, I remember I was growing, it was just bad timing. It was like everything I, that was happening at me growing as a woman was happening at the same time, trying to come back from an injury, graduating from high school. It was just yeah, the worst time. And then I started to develop all these food sensitivities. And that was just obviously very confusing for someone that hadn't really, I had always had allergic reactions and I was always very flexible and hypermobile. And I've discussed this on a few other podcasts about, I have this condition called EDS, it's Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, and it's a connective tissue disorder that affects, it's a defect in collagen production. And so what happens is my joints are extremely loose in addition to my organs all systems in my body are very loose. And so that also impacts your body's ability and reactions to histamine Um, and histamine. I mean, it doesn't need to be a (laughs) conversation, but I tend to react to certain things that I'm allergic to a little bit more extreme than let's say the normal person. And it's very common for people that have, uh, EDS. So I went to various doctors to try and figure out what was going on with my food sensitivities while also being in and out with various injuries. You name it, I had it. It was like a torn, a little torn meniscus, a back thing. It was just never ending. And it was, it was exhausting. You're dancing, then you're not. You're dancing, then you're not. And it, yeah, it was exhausting. But I, ne- I never give up. I don't like to give up if you haven't noticed. And I was on a mission to figure out why I had developed all of these food sensitivities. And at first I was going to just more normal, what I knew. And this was before I would say the world of, let's say, holistic medicine and the buzzy word that we all love and hate wellness was a little bit more prevalent and mainstream. Yeah. You want to say that? And I wasn't having any luck at all. And this was when I started to do just... One of my friends says that she would hire me as her expert researcher because I'm really good at researching. And I just started researching different things about histamine reactions, about food sensitivities, about the gut microbiome, about the gut brain connection, about 
just a more holistic approach and different alternative ways of healing. And so I was talking to my Pilates instructor about this and she introduced me to her holistic nutritionist. And that was kind of the first kickoff to my own personal studies on nutrition, holistic healing, different ways to yeah, heal the mind and body. And that was when I became fascinated by the gut brain connection, trauma affecting the gut, trauma affecting or stress, as you might also call it, affecting the body's ability to adapt your immunity, all of those things. And so I guess I pretty much just started this journey to heal myself through food, meditation, yoga, and also just how I spoke to myself and recognizing you go through a period where, and I certainly did. I mean, I was learning how to walk in a pool while I was, and then I would have to crutch to Fordham and it was just, and I was a part-time student. So no one knew who I was. My, most of my closest friends were at college. So they were away. They weren't even in New York, the non-dancers. And then the dancers were performing on stage every single night. So it was just such a lonely time for me. And I was just so ashamed at how my body was failing and I couldn't dance. And I had all these, I was also the weird girl with all the food allergies. So it was just like, you just feel like a total, I say this now and I feel horrible, but like, I literally was like, I felt like a loser. I was like, what is going on with me? I felt so pathetic. And yeah, it was the lowest of lows. And I think through the lowest of lows, you really get to a point where you take a step back and you go, okay, well, I'm not going with my life like this forever. So I have to change something. And that was when I started to just really just turn the corner and pick myself up and figure out how to do it. And it was just through step-by-step of learning and seeing different doctors and nutritionists and healers and learning from them and then kind of bringing it into my lifestyle. So that was when I started my baking blog and kind of sharing my journey on Instagram. And that that kicked off everything. That was when I started to feel whole again. And it was through the messages that I got from other young dancers, moms through my DMs, whether it was a recipe I was sharing or something I was talking about in a caption about their daughter dealing with this injury or this food sensitivity. And it was really bringing these issues out there that, and just talking to these girls and their moms that gave me a self, like a purpose. Yeah. And that was the kickoff to my, yeah, where I am today. Well, I can empathize with how lonely you feel. Like, I don't, I want to acknowledge that. Like, I can imagine, I can't imagine, but based on what you said, just like how hard that could be because you don't feel like you're going through anything. There's no one else who can be going through that journey with you because Mm -hmm. both of your friends on both sides are doing what you can't be doing, right? You can't be a full-time college student. You can't be a full-time dancer because you're having all these injuries. And I can imagine how lonely that must have felt for you. But I feel as though the positives coming out of this is like the interest in, you know, nutrition and a more holistic outlook on health and taking that research back and figuring out how do you want to be now incorporating what you've learned into your lifestyle and and the baking and the interest in creating different types of recipes based on the food sensitivities is what then started to give you give you more of this purpose and so i'd love to hear on the food sensitivity piece like what did you want to start creating that you felt like wasn't already out there and and tell us how the idea for 
get golden started? Mm-hmm. So this was back before, I mean, I feel like all of our questions are kind of relating to one another. So the lonely piece and the stress piece affecting your health and making you feel pretty sad wasn't these issues we see now on Instagram everywhere and especially after the pandemic. But I think, yeah, it was really tough and it was harder to talk about those things back then. Whereas now I feel like it's much easier to have those conversations anyway. I have always it's loved much easier now. It's yeah. like everywhere and everyone's so open about it. And yeah, you know, five but back to 10 then it years was like ago, not even not really a thing. No. So different. Yeah. So I mean, we're lucky for that now. It's really good. So I I've always loved to bake. And I'm from an Italian family and we love to cook. And like I said, I love to bake and eat sweets. And all of a sudden I couldn't. I couldn't bake muffins. I love muffins. I have this obsession with muffins. Like I don't muffins. <laughs> What's your favorite so type couldn't... of muffin? Okay. It, believe it or not, and this is really weird because my mom was obsessed with bran muffins, but it's a specific type of bran muffin. And I know it okay. sounds like not super fun, but it's like with orange zest and walnuts. And then like this oh, like – sounds so good. And okay. So and then you – yeah, I can get all into it. But like a raisin puree is the base, but it adds like such texture to it. And it's like – warm and like it's so good oh my god so okay, that um that's like a breakfast muffin i like you name a muffin blueberry i love them all love them so i yeah i couldn't bake and or couldn't bake what i knew and this was pre-gluten-free buzz this was pre-adaptogen buzz this was pre-medicinal mushroom buzz this was when this was the very early days of let's say amanda shelltail bacon building moon juice okay when so like did not have the ingredients that like, it wasn't like yeah. almond flour or even no, the one no, for I, one. I mean, I looked very strange ordering almond flour. I mean, this is what I did. I was obsessed mm-hmm. and I loved creating recipes that I was able to have when you're on a gluten-free or put on a gluten-free diet that really changed right from my inflammation. And what I was struggling with and what I was trying to heal was I was really slow to heal. And this also deals with EDS, which I was also diagnosed with during this period, which is also a disease or sorry, which is also a syndrome that is not necessarily studied in the way that it should be. And it's just starting to kind of come to surface. But people that have this disorder, technically, they just don't, they don't heal as quickly as others. So for me, it was really about incorporating foods and nutrients into my diet that were both healing and supportive to my body versus Sadly, white flour, high fructose corn syrup, not necessarily nourishing ingredients for the body. And so I just got creative in the kitchen. I tried to bring together all the ingredients I could have with all the ingredients that I didn't. So basically what I would do is like use healthy ingredients with the ingredients I could have that I used to bake with ingredients Mm -hmm. that I couldn't have. So using like high quality cacaos, different types of butters and things that I could have with almond flour with adaptogens with lower sugar options, such as like a coconut sugar or a maple syrup or a honey. And I would just make all these different truffles and treats and seed bars and spreads and fudges. And I love to, yeah, post about them, take pictures of them. I got really into photography. I'm 
naturally I like to use my hands. I love to get creative. You can see like where I'm obsessively like mood boarding always. And yeah, it's for me when I couldn't dance, I would bury myself in ballet books, looking at like old archives of costumes or ballets, and then also baking and cooking and learning how to photograph. And I wasn't even that good, but it's just the process of it is just super fun. Yeah. And so it was the, it was the making of the recipes and the making of things that were nourishing my body with getting creative, with posting, starting a blog, shooting, editing, all that. It just became this kind of new creative process for me that was really fun that I could also share with other people. And so I bring it to the studio. And then what was the turning point when you were like, I want to start a company out of this? Like the bars out there aren't what I want. I feel like I can make something so much better. The name of it, like when was that turning point for you? Did someone say, oh my gosh, you should sell these? And you were like, yeah, I probably can. But there's so much more that goes into actually like building a company at mass scale and getting distribution and like all those things in the consumer packaged food space. So when was that turning point for you? So this question has, or the answer has many layers. And the first was that, so I was always bringing these nut and seed bars on tour. Okay. In just massive Tupperware lined with parchment paper. And I was either eating them myself or sharing them, sharing with them with friends, sharing them with family members. And of course people would say like, you, yeah, you should sell these. Like, these are so good. Yum. Like, but you don't think anything of that. You're just, I don't know. I was just kind of making things for fun. And I, I knew I wanted to build a company, but I didn't know what I, what it would be yet. Meaning I didn't know whether I was going to be selling things or creating a blog. It was all, I'm kind of a dreamer. And so I just dream, do, dream, do, dream, do. And I, I really believe that there are just certain openings in life, meaning doors that open and you take a step in and then you work your ass off and then another door opens. And it really was just, we were on this bus ride going to the Kennedy center on tour and I had make, made these chocolate cups and I was passing them out on the bus and I was showing my friends some not very good photography that I was going to post on my Instagram. And my friend, Sarah, I, it's funny because I talk about, I lit, I bring this up a lot and she was like, you should just stop sharing all these recipes and just start like, you should sell these. And it was on the bed at the Kennedy center hotel while we were on tour that I called my Pilates instructor, found out who her lawyer was, and I signed my LLC for a company called Get Golden, oh which God. is about finding your light. How did that name and come to you? Through really tough times, you find the light. And I just, I wanted something that, it honestly came to me very randomly, meaning I can't really, it wasn't some sort of crazy process that went into it. It was more about a feeling and a long stream of events that led to a really beautiful time in my life where I found light. And I wanted to make sure that everything I did with this company would make our customers and other people feel their best and find light too. I feel like it's so different than typically what happens where it's like you have an idea for a product and then you're trying to fit this like name artificially with this product or like make it work. Whereas for you, it was truly the path that took you to get there, guided Mm -hmm. you to this name that then fit 
with the product that like helped you during this specific time. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's really cool. Like, how did it get started then? Like what was, because I like have an LLC too for my like side hustle and I have it for that, but like everything I'm doing is more kind of in like the digital space. And so for a consumer package company, like how did you start then? Who did you look to even like get this business off the ground? So through the many years that I was injured and I think my first injury, as I had said, really showed me how to have an outside life, meaning a different identity. There was the ballerina Janelle, and then there's also a Janelle that is quote unquote more normal. And I have outside different passions about nutrition. I mean, I love, I like normal things too, but when it comes to, let's say work-wise as well, I knew that I could feel smart and like I was challenging myself and working towards something at that time, I didn't even know, but I would go to, this was pre-signing the LLC. I would go to female founder events that were free in New York city. This Mm. is pre-pandemic. So Mm -hmm. female founder collective would have a ton Cherry Bomb Magazine would have a Cherry Bomb University where you would learn about how to write a cookbook. Did I know I wanted to write a cookbook? No, but it was just so inspiring to be surrounded by so many female founders and writers and people just doing incredible things. And for me, I soaked it up like a sponge. And that was also where I got some of my mentors and networked and just learned about different industries and just tried to figure out what I was passionate about and really, yeah, just learn. And so it was all of those different building blocks of one of the, one of the meeting or panels was about how to like legal structures and how to start an LLC. And so just really taking those tools and just using those building blocks as a foundation for kicking off, starting a company. And it was hard because I'm coming from, or was coming from still am a background in ballet. Right with a degree in communications. So I didn't have experience at, let's say, an Uber or a buzzing startup. I didn't have um, experience as in marketing or something, you know? And yeah, I do see sometimes that I do struggle and I feel like I have to play a little bit of catch up sometimes and really just study and work hard because those are skills that I don't have. And I think at the end of the day, we really, as people, we have to think about, okay, what can I bring to the table that can make this company different? And, and that is why we are who we are. And I think for a little bit, I lost the confidence in that and lost the the confidence in all of those building blocks that I did know what I was doing. And I think, I mean, I think that's normal for all of us. And when you're a founder, if you've signed your LLC, you'll find this too. Well, you go through periods where you're like, am I equipped to do this? Like, but you are, and it's the imposter um, syndrome. Yeah, so it was it's, absolutely. It's the imposter syndrome absolutely. of like I can't do this, and I tell my fiance all the time that I'm literally faking everything. Like I'm just faking it, and he's like, "Stop! You're doing stuff. Like it's you know things are actually happening. Like you don't have to say that, but it does feel sometimes like how am I doing this? Like I'm not good enough, and." you figure it out and like you make impact and you've clearly crushed it. And I think it's so cool that you've been able to take something that you found from like healing and make it into something. And very similar to you on the visionary, like I love the visionary stuff, like seeing something and having your eyes set on it and 
wanting to go after it and figuring out how to do it like that, that gets me really excited. And I think that's so cool that you were able to make that work at the same time as you are like still in the ballet, like that you're, that's not, that hasn't gone away, you know? And so like being able to be CEO of a company and put out product that you feel really good about is, is really cool. I want, I want to hear a little bit more in your like future business goals, but Mm -hmm. I first, or before that, I want to talk about alcohol in terms of like how you now view that as part of your overall health. And like, if that relationship has changed kind of pre- well, you initially started getting her when you were 18. So I imagine you weren't really drinking before that, but like, how do you now just view alcohol more holistically in your life and kind of labeling that and deciding when to drink? I mean, I hope my mom and my dad aren't listening to this. (laughs) I was definitely drinking at 18. I was in, I was a kid in New York City. Yeah. You're a kid in growing up in New York. I was like, like I had the best time. I was at 10 June and the box and you name the club. I was there. I had a blast. And we talk about how we didn't, or ballerinas don't have a normal life, but when you're injured, I think my, I had fun. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely had fun, but I think, yeah, I think I had fun then. So then once I don't need to have fun anymore, but yeah, I think there's a time and a place to have fun and let loose, but I don't know, as I started to learn more about how my body needed to feel and how I wanted it to feel. And I also I can be an anxious person. So I definitely saw how it affected my anxiety and it affects inflammation. And we're talking about drinking in excess, which I can't really drink that much anyway, but I definitely noticed, yeah, how it affected my anxiety. And I try and make choices that make me feel like my best self. And I think that's the whole point of the company I built too, is I want our customers and anyone to feel like their best self. And I think it's just so important for anyone to check in with themselves and just think about, am I, is the best version of me going to be happy? And if that means going out with friends and having a cocktail or two or going to a party, then great. I'm not, I'm never too hard on myself. So I, I do drink alcohol now, not a lot at all, but I don't really like living with extremes. Yeah, I think I've spent And I think this is a completely different conversation. Let's say if I struggled with alcohol or had a, had a difficult relationship with it, but I, I don't. And I think being a ballet dancer and growing up with that extreme training and that extreme pressure to have a specific body type, to look a specific way, to push your body to a specific limit. I just, there are realities that I have to face when it comes to, let's say, EDS and training and stupid exercises I have to do and not necessarily eating a lot of gluten during season because I can't get my point shoes on and mm. let's say not drinking because it affects inflammation. Those are non-negotiables and like quote unquote extremes that are just, it's that's a reality Yeah, because the pros outweigh the cons. But I personally don't do well with extremes. I try and as for what it's worth and as balanced as you can be with a life as a ballerina, a professional ballerina, I try and be as balanced with the approach as possible just because it's the best for my mental health and my overall happiness. I mean, for me, it does bring joy to meet a friend or yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I think that's all that. I think that's what I am, how I'm trying to live my life too is 
figuring out how alcohol makes me feel in both a positive and a negative way, positive in the sense that I want a drink sounds good and I'm with people that I want to be having that drink with and negative in the sense that I know what it can do to me on a day that I want to feel like my best self. Like the next day, I I know I'm not going to probably feel as good. And so like figuring out when it's worth it and when it's not. And very much to your point, like I don't, because I'm not sober, I don't want to put a label on myself if I don't need to and Mm. operate in one way, black or white. And so I tend to operate in this gray area. And for a lot of people, drinking is one of those things where they feel as though you should have a have a term associated with it, like that you yes. drink or that you don't drink versus like I pick and choose when I want to drink. And it creates a lot of confusion for people, which I've found to be very interesting and not totally understand. Like I understand because society's painted alcohol in this way that like you should be having it when you're going out all the time. But I tend to operate in the gray area, which can feel a little bit confusing, but I've now tried to just live a life that makes it more intuitive and feel more intuitive with it. Similarly to how I try to do it with food and like, it's not always perfect. Right. And some days you're like, Ooh, probably not feeling great after eating that entire chocolate (laughs) cake or like after two Levain cookies. Right. Or like, you know, I had a margarita last night and I am not feeling great today. And you know, I'm like, all right, I'm reminded how I feel and I had fun with it, but like, I'm reminded how I don't feel great. And like, we're going to move on and it's, you know, not putting too much pressure on that situation. So I think that's a really good approach because it works best for you. Right. And like, there shouldn't be any judgment on it. And you realized what works for your health. So I think the conversation is definitely like to your point, also becoming easier to talk about and people are more understanding when you choose not to drink. Let's say you're going out to a birthday dinner or things like that. And for me, let's say we're in the middle of a really busy season and it's a Wednesday and I want to stop by a friend's for a birthday dinner and I don't want to drink. And you're the one not cheersing with a glass of something and people, why aren't you drinking? And it's just, it's a question or the same thing. Like, why are you eating so healthy? Or like, why did you, And it's just like, you do you, like there are some days where you choose to eat healthy. And then there are some days where you choose to not eat healthy. There are some days you choose. And I think that there's less judgment or I would hope. And I think the conversation and where we're headed is only going to, I think, be better. And we have so many new non-alcoholic options, which is such a blessing because now we can go to restaurants and be more social. And some of my most favorite companies, yeah, you can go out and have them at a restaurant and you it's a great replacement and it makes you still feel like, and I don't even know why. I mean, it is, it's just ingrained in our society too. It's just, it, you're going out to dinner, like you have to get a drink and it's like, no, you don't. You can just go and eat delicious food and have conversation with friends. That's the whole point. Yeah. That is one of the things that I've reframed most recently. The question of like, do I want alcohol or do I want a drink and a cool glass and being Mm -hmm. able to like participate in the experience. And I kind of talk about this Mm -hmm. a lot, but there's this notion that you can't have fun or you can't participate if you're not having alcohol. And like, if you're in that situation going to a friend's and you have a Gia and a a glass and you're cheersing, like you're still cheersing, right? But it doesn't matter what, what drink is in your glass necessarily. It's that you're there and you're with your friends and you're part of the experience. And I think restaurants are a bit easier because 
you're participating in the act of like eating at the restaurant. And so you're able to participate in the meal. Whereas like just going to a bar, if you don't want to drink probably feels not as it's, it's still, I I personally think I'm just going to be honest. Like, I don't think we're not there yet. We will be. No, well, we're not there yet because the options aren't there and people don't feel like they don't feel like they're able to like, I don't know if I can just get only a shitty drink from the bartender and they look at me like I'm crazy. I don't feel like welcomed in that instance, you know? And I feel like it's just the part about feeling welcomed that makes it so much better being out. And so when like a bar has athletic brewing or they have ghee, I'm like, okay, they get it. They get Mm -hmm. that people don't necessarily want a non-alcoholic drink. And I feel a lot better about being here. Now, am I going to stay out until 2am? Probably not. But like you just you just feel better. Like you feel better and you feel like you're welcomed. And I think that's a big part of that. And we're getting closer, but it's going to take time similar to the way that like it took time for healthy food to get into restaurants, you know? So true. And so, yeah, it's, it's ever evolving. I want to talk before we do some rapid fire, just quickly on your current like business goals. Like where are you spending the most time? Do you have a new vision in your head? Like what are you working towards right now that gets you really excited? I, I'm so excited. We're entering two new categories. This I was going to ask. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The final tomorrow's Tuesday. I'm so excited. We get, I think it's not final because I already saw the color of it and it's still not, it's hard. R and D is hard. I I can't even imagine round 10. We've been testing this for over a year, but yeah, we'll be entering two new categories this year. And I'm I'm so excited. I don't know what else to say other than that. I think we use the bar as our first way to enter the marketplace. And I think a lot of people thought that we were just a bar company and we're so much more than that. We think of ourselves as a food and wellness company for everyday essentials for active people. And these new categories will build upon the collection that we are building as a company. That's so exciting. And I'm so excited. This is my favorite part, obviously building. Totally. And the creative behind it and the day-to-day stuff. I mean, founder, like any founder would agree, like it's not necessarily fun. Like there's a lot, I mean, between just looking at customers, there are just so many moving parts within the company and managing the team and what everyone's doing and the day-to-day with wholesale and there, yeah, there are so many moving parts, but the newness of creating new product and the, what the creative looks like, what the mood boarding and all of that is, it's really, that part's really fun. And then thinking about how that can impact customers and creating what I would call our world yeah. is something that keeps me going every single day. Where did you find your team? Like, how did you hire? So... Lulu has been with me the longest and I found her through her sister had come. Her sister was a student at the school of American ballet at the time, or I think she was at this, a summer program there and her sister and their mom came up to me at the, in the granola aisle at whole foods. And they asked if I was Janelle Manzi because they loved my blog. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so cute. Yeah. And I said, yes. And then we connected and then we just kind of, yeah, created a relationship. And then I met 
Lulu through that relationship. And that's one. It was super random. And then I had previously worked with a few. So I had hired freelance, a few friends in the beginning, and they actually worked in beauty and they were also connected with another, a few other people that worked in beauty and food. So it really is about connections and about friends of friends and yeah. And then also putting myself out there. I mean, different and things that happened by chance. I mean, one of my mentors was connected with someone that works for a very prominent food company. And then they left that food company and then they became one of my advisors and investors. So it really is about networking. It's about putting yourself out there. It's about doing your research and being, I don't know, being open and being eager to learn. And you never know who, like if you're being mentored by someone and they're inspired by what you're doing, who they will introduce you to. Right. No, I think it's really about showing up and doing your best work. And then I think good things come to you and you obviously have to do the work when it, at the end of the day, but it's literally about showing up and fostering relationships with people and true connections. And people want to help other people that they admire and they admire like their work ethic and what they want to build. And so I think that's the best way. That's really cool. Okay, Mm -hmm. let's do some rapid fire to end. Janelle, if someone had to describe your hosting style in one word, what would it be? Are you a hoster? Right now, no. My eventually I will be, but right now I'm it's rare that I host. I mean, at least during ballet season. Yeah. What's your future hosting style word? Oh, I would say decadent. Decadent. I like that. Mm -hmm. I saw that you're really into like chocolate. So that makes a lot of sense. It would be chocolate, everything. Chocolate, (laughs) chocolate, that. I love that. Exactly. What is your favorite drink, alcoholic or non-alcoholic? So you said my favorite drink. I've mentioned them several times and will continue to because it's, I love the founder and I love the company, Gia, my favorite non-alcoholic beverage. Literally my Um, favorite. It's my favorite thing at the end of a show after the long day. Yeah. Hands down, favorite non-alcoholic beverage. Alcoholic beverage of choice would be probably clear liquor. I don't do wine. It makes me feel really bad. Like tequila, vodka. Yeah. Yeah. What is your favorite type of get-together? I mean, I have two. I I love a chill girls' night, meaning ordering and food and cooking together. Love a chill girls' night. And just sitting on the couch and just kind of jamming out and being in like baggy sweats. Yeah. With either a non-alcoholic beverage or an alcoholic beverage. And like we make dessert or I make fun, like something like that where it's just very chill or going, getting dressed up and going out to dinner is always fun too. I think there are two different, I'm not a huge partier anymore, but I do like, I'd love to go out to dinner and see friends, but yeah. I think it really depends on my mood. I think, and this is also very job specific. Like we, during a ballet season, I'm performing. So I'm the quote unquote entertainment, meaning at 8 right. p.m. at night, I'm not out at a restaurant. So for me, that is such a treat to be able to dress up in a different way, not in a costume and with full stage makeup yeah. and be able to go out with friends and feel normal and feel that energy. So sometimes staying and I'm like, okay, like I come home at 11 p.m. And like, I do like have a lot of those chill nights because it's just easier for us. Like that's usually what me and my girlfriends do is more chill nights right now. Do you prefer to host or be hosted? Right now, hosted, soon host. The reason why is that 
there are periods in your life that are very tough when you're balancing two jobs. Yeah. Meaning I, I'm still stubborn. I really like, it's really important for me to send out certain PR packages, send out. Mm. So there, there are just things and I have a pretty big apartment, but I mean, even your identity as a ballerina, you have the balls, you have the, this, you have the Norma tech inflating Mm -hmm. pants you have. There's just, and it's all organized because I like everything just so, but it is, I dream of having a little bit more separation between work and home. And I feel like right now is just one of those times where I'm home very little. I mean, I'm basically home to sleep. Yeah. So that sort of idea of hosting is not really a reality for my schedule. Yeah. But like I said, sadly, ballet will not last forever, meaning I won't be coming home at 1030 PM and I won't be having Norma tech inflatable pants needing to be hooked yeah, up every like single a, day. There's a yeah, time so and place really for it all. Like you'll host in the future and that'll be your time yeah. to host. And like right now it's just not a priority given yeah. your other things going on. And it certainly doesn't stop me from buying. I'm obsessed with buying platters and plateware and cups. Me and too. I don't know when this addiction is going to stop, but it gets bad because I'm like, I'm not even hosting right now. And I have like six different types of cocktail glasses, yes. like 20 platters, but Same. it's building the collection. Totally for the future. Okay. Yeah. Janelle, tell us where we can find you and how we can support you best. Yeah. You can follow my personal at just my name, J-E-N-E-L-L-E-M-A-N-Z-I um, on Instagram and TikTok. And then same for Get Golden, G-E-T-G-O-L-D-E-N on Instagram awesome. and TikTok, but we're not very active on TikTok. I think we have one post. I was just going to so ask you what's on Instagram. <laughs> I was just going to ask you, how's your TikTok game? My personal TikTok game is fun. I post a lot of behind the scenes videos um, like for ballet and it's been really fun. And then the same on Instagram, actually, I've noticed that I've been having a lot of fun there recently. Yay. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. As you know, I am not a specialist and I'm not trained to give advice whatsoever. These are just my own personal thoughts and conversations. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the show if you can. It helps so, so much. And feel free to find me on social channels, Post by Tori. See ya! See ya!